What's up, people? Shaman back. No Room Talk Podcast, episode 48. Uh, today, I will be joined by Hugh McTavish, PhD. He's an immunologist and author of Lockdown Insanity. Uh, we get into a conversation about COVID, uh, the lockdown, um, and there's some useful information out there, some insight on a uh, few things that we've learned throughout this uh, pandemic. So, with no further ado, let's jump into it. Welcome to the No Room to Talk Podcast. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, uh, to the No Room to Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Shaman. I'm here today with guest Hugh McTavish, PhD. Um, Mr. McTavish, would you like to introduce yourself and let the uh, listeners know a little bit about yourself? Okay, uh, I'm I'm a, a PhD biochemist and an immunologist, uh, and um, as well as a patent attorney. And I've um, formed a nonprofit called CovidSanity.org. Covid-Sanity.org is the website, and we are the mission of the nonprofit is to spread accurate factual information about the uh, uh, about COVID and the lockdowns, and particularly the harms, the benefits, and harms of the lockdowns. Um, uh, which the bottom line is the, the harms vastly exceed the benefits of the lockdowns, but uh, we can get into that. Um, so, um, yeah, and, and I'm, uh, I've also um, uh, started two pharmaceutical companies and written a bunch of scientific papers, got a bunch of patents, so I feel like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this is um, going on now, what? almost two years now, this crazy uh, COVID ride that we've been on here as of late, yep. um, going back to when it was a initially identified um, back in December of 2019. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the major things that um, it seems to be on everyone's mind, like, how did we get here? Like, how did we turn this whole thing into this this whole crazy scene now? I, that's a mystery to me. This this has surprised me so much. I I have felt oftentimes like a stranger in my own country. That, like I did not expect that we would react this way to this. When this happened, we had SARS-CoV-1 in 2004, I think, the previous, which was the same coronavirus, a different strain of coronavirus uh, that took off in, I think, Toronto and Saudi Arabia or something. There were a few hot spots around the world where a number of people were dying of that. Um, but we didn't, we didn't react with lockdowns. I mean, it never came here, so there was no reason to do lockdowns, I guess, but it just never occurred to me we were going to react this way to this disease. We had the 1918 flu, it was a long time ago, and they were fighting World War One at the time, so they had other things on their mind to worry about. But that was much more severe than COVID uh, in time of life lost. It killed, it killed a higher percentage of infected people, probably five times as many, and it killed young people supposedly at a higher rate than it killed old people. Whereas COVID-19 is targeted like a laser at the old and the sick. Yeah. That's uh, one of the, the craziest things uh, about this um, pandemic is the way it actually behaves um, in the different groups of people. Um, it was like some people will have it and it'll be like a minor cold. And then some people were ending up in the ICU. 
Yep, yep. Um, yes. Uh, so I'm not, and I, I'm not saying COVID is not severe. Uh, it is severe. Uh, I mean, some people get uh, very sick from it. It seems to have a a higher hospitalization rate than than the flu. Um, and a, a somewhat higher death rate than the flu. Um, but uh, it's for, for people under 18, for children, anyone, everyone under age 18, it's much less deadly than the flu. I mean, uh, flu is hardly deadly for that group. It actually, flu is fairly deadly for infants, actually. It's, it's a pretty large cause of death before age one. Um, but uh, obviously not very, or we don't think of it as being much of a threat to, to um, children other, other than infants. Um, and it's not. And COVID virtually never kills infants. I think, I think we had the first, we were two months into this before we had the first person under age one die of COVID in the United States. And I think we may still be in single digits in the world on the number of people under age one who died from COVID. Uh, so it's, uh, it's about 20%. I calculate it's about 20% as deadly as the flu for, for people under age 18. For people age 18 to 40, it is about equally deadly as the flu. Uh, and above age 40, it's about three and a half times deadlier than the flu. But the flu, we had a vaccine against, if you subtract and the vaccine prevents about half, or probably cuts flu deaths about in half. So if you just for that, it's actually about 1.7 times deadlier than the flu, I calculate. Um, and one of the things that's been uh, most troubling, and I think a lot of people, I think this is a lot of the problems that we're having is the misinformation or double information that we're getting in the media about um, the death rates, um, the infections, um, what do you think could have been done better to guide people in the right direction from the beginning? Oh, I think the truth, telling people the truth, that would have helped. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, the media has totally been scaremongering this from the beginning. It's just terrible. I, I, um, uh, I live in Minneapolis uh, in or outside Minneapolis and the, our newspaper, the Star Tribune, um, every day, uh, may, until at least this month, every day they, they, they had a story on the front page about COVID, always saying how terrible it is, never saying maybe this isn't the worst thing that's ever happened. Uh, they ran a story, they ran a story I like, I talk about in my book. They ran a front page story of a 92-year-old man who was a physician, had about the most blessed life imaginable. He was married to the same woman for 70 years. His children this started on the front page that he had died of COVID. 92-year-old physician, just about the most blessed life possible. was married to the same woman for 70 years, successful financially as a physician. His children loved him. They had these testimonials from his children. His patients apparently loved him. But what a tragedy it is. He only made it to age 92 and was killed by COVID. <laughs> Yeah, and that's the uh, the thing. It's like okay, um, like so. COVID itself isn't new. Like there are different. There've been different strands of COVID throughout the years. Correct. There's been yeah. COVID stands for uh, coronavirus disease. 
uh, and COVID-19 is the coronavirus disease of 19, 2019. Um, uh, there have been, four, there are four known strains of coronavirus that caused the common cold. And there was a coronavirus, SARS-CoV-1. This virus is known as SARS-CoV-2. SARS stands for sudden, uh, sudden attack respiratory syndrome, I think. Um, uh, SARS and COVID stands for coronavirus. Uh, SARS-CoV-1 was, like I said, in about 2004, as I recall, or something. It killed and um, kind of came out of nowhere and killed a number of people in, I think, Toronto and Saudi Arabia and a couple other places, maybe. Uh, and then it just kind of disappeared. Uh, nobody exactly knew why it went away. Um, so coronaviruses, yes, are all, well, we've got four, four common cold strains known about it, and then the SARS-CoV-1, I think this is the sixth known strain of coronavirus. Um, one of the biggest issues is this thing, it should have stayed a public health concern, but it got to be so politicized, which, like, what side you were on when really yeah. we should be more concerned about the health benefits uh, health, well, health concerns to the public rather than uh, are you a masker, are you not a masker, are you a vaxxer, are you anti-vaxxer? Yeah, yeah, it's, it, that's another one of the things that surprised me. It did become so politicized and it didn't need to be, and I don't know why it, why it's suddenly a partisan issue. I was not aware in 2018 that it was a partisan issue whether masks prevented the common cold or flu. <laughs> Somehow that's now a partisan issue. Uh, uh, and I was not aware in 2019 that it was a partisan issue whether, um, uh, oh, what was Trump's drug? Um, anyway, that that drug that you, we all, whatever the name of it was, we all know the story. Mm -hmm. Trump was, was saying this one particular drug he thought worked for COVID. Um, which there was some evidence that it worked. Uh, but Democrats reacted to that like, well, if Trump says it works, it must be the worst thing ever. <laughs> uh, so suddenly that was a partisan issue. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't. Um, and, and uh, you know, I mean, there's a little bit of a partisan breakdown, I guess, on person, kind of personal liberty. Conservatives are more libertarian, more interested in having the freedom to do what they want. Liberals are a little more willing to accept state restrictions and, and, and laws. But I didn't, you know, I thought liberals and Democrats supported some value. We like personal liberty too, right? We'd like to be able to do what we want to do. Right. Uh, uh, but Democrats and liberals seem to be, have been incredibly accepting of Mask mandates, stay-at-home orders, um, closing restaurant, closing churches and restaurants and bars and health clubs—all these restrictions on what we can do—and and, and um, a, that became a partisan issue. And I mean, actually, Republicans were pretty accepting of those things too. But so anyway, that was another thing that surprised me. Is that I thought Americans were pretty strongly libertarian, and then we just accepted all of these dramatic restrictions on what we can do. Right. Yeah. And that was the, the, the wildest thing, because even like I can understand restrictions when they were saying when you're going into like crowded spaces, but they were also putting restrictions on like outdoor when we knew the coronavirus could not exist outside in, in, in UV light. Right. Um, yeah. And I don't think people fully, I don't think we'll really ever, well, not ever, but I think it'll be, a time in the future where we'll see exactly how bad this lockdown 
has actually affected us. I mean, from alcoholism, suicide yeah, rates. Yeah, that's what I go into in my, that's that's the main point of my book is how much it affected us. But I, I wanted to also to say some of these stuff, the outdoor thing. So we closed state parks and national parks and we ordered people not to go outside. We ordered in, in Italy, they were, they ordered everybody not to go outside except for essential tasks, which included walking the dog. So neighbors would trade the, their dogs off with each other. So everybody could go outside and walk the same dog every 15 minutes just so they could get outside. <laughs> uh, but, um, so, uh, um, yeah, sorry. Anyway, so, but yeah, closing and being outside and getting exercise, that's just about the best thing you can do for your mental and physical health. So it was just insane. And it has no effect on restricting coronavirus spread. So it was just, it was just insane to do that. There was no rational justification for that. Um, uh, oh, yeah. And then you, sorry, then you, then you were mentioning the, the, the drug overdose, alcohol abuse. Yeah. So that's, um, one of the main points of my, my book. Oh, I don't think I mentioned the title of my book. I should tell say the title of my, my, the title oh, of my book. Is, <laughs> the total, title of my book is COVID Lockdown Insanity. And my name is Hugh McTavish, M-C-T-A-V-I-S-H. So if you want to search that on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or ask for it in your bookstore, you can get that. Um, uh, but, um, yeah, one of the, really, I think the number one, my number one message is this massive increase in depression. Uh, which is the, the, the data is that depression, clinical depression in the United States went from, went um, up 19.3%. It went from about 8%, which was terrible enough. I mean, we already had the background highest depression level of just about any society that's ever existed. And we increased that to 27%. We increased it by 19% through more than almost one in five Americans in the major clinical depression. Wow. Uh, this, the amount of suffering that represents is just staggering to me. I don't know, I don't know if you've been depressed, uh, Shame and I have in, in the past, and it's not a lot of fun. No, I'll basically, like, um, I can speak uh, from a personal standpoint. Um, my mother, um, she's never really been, like, a, like, um, you know, an outside person, a person that wants to like uh, go to crowded spaces. But with this lockdown, when she was like, you can't go anywhere. Um, and she couldn't see like, um, I have two younger brothers. Uh, she wasn't, you know, because she was so fearful of all the, you know, the news that was put out there. Uh, we weren't able to see her. She hadn't seen us for over a year. Um, oh, wow. Oh, that's awful. I think that's awful. And, uh, and, I, and I don't think, I don't think she would have been any, yeah, yeah, it was scaremongering. It did, she, did, she, she did not make herself any safer by not seeing you, I don't think. Right, and it's just that thing where you say, you know, people and who are just confined, seeing the same four walls over and over again, um, it was just a whole lot. And then, like you said, you're seeing the news, and it's just COVID death, COVID death, COVID death, yep. COVID death, epidemic. It's just I mean, it's blowing up, and that's constantly what you're being bombarded with at every turn. Um, you can only imagine what that has done to some people's psyches, and people who are already dealing with levels of depression now were even unable to go out and seek the help that they needed because of the lockdown. Yeah, that was um, uh, uh, I was I was mildly depressed in the spring because of the lockdowns, and I. Um, 
tried to see therapists and did, did see some. Most of them, the large majority, would not see people in person, which to me is particularly cruel and unwise because the reason people are depressed is they're not seeing anybody face-to-face. And so that's the reason they need to go to a therapist, and then the therapist is refusing to see them face-to-face. Yeah. Um, so, um, uh, yeah, I think that's, uh, um, that was a problem, and that's, again, kind of a consequence of, I think, the excessive fear-mongering. I think the therapists, a lot of people were excessively afraid of this. Therapists were excessively afraid of it. The teachers have been excessively afraid of it, and therefore they demanded that schools be closed when they're really not at much, basically anybody healthy enough to be in the workforce is not at much risk at all of dying of COVID. And that was one of the things that it seemed to me that was completely glossed over is, um, you know, taking care of yourself, you know, healthy living, exercising, taking vitamins. Um, None of that was ever brought up, but it seems to be because um, I've, read a study where uh, a large majority of the people who were actually really um, suffering from COVID were vitamin D deficient. Oh Um, yeah. Yeah. I've seen that too. I I believe that. I think vitamin D is, um, you get vitamin D from sun, sunlight and, um, uh, um, and so, yeah, I guess people not going outside would get a little more vitamin D deficient, but I think there's, there's a bunch of studies and theories that we're already baseline most people are vitamin d deficient so outside of this complete and total shutdown how how do you think the best way that we should have like effectively if we were going to try to really like protect people and slow the spread uh as they say would it would have been a an alternative to the way that we we did it um the uh the data says that mask wearing has little or no effect on spread of COVID. Uh, so we should not have ordered mask wearing. Um, closing, the, the, the only things that affect things, also another piece of data is that really only, only symptomatic people uh, spread COVID. If you're asymptomatic, you're not, a, you're not gonna transmit it to anybody. Uh, for the most part, maybe occasionally an asymptomatic person transmits it, but it's, it's very rare. Uh, and the only inter- and masks don't work. The one thing that works is hand washing. The main thing I think that works is hand washing. There's there's good data that I think nearly all upper respiratory tract infections, cold and flu, as and COVID seems to behave. Everything says COVID behaves the same as as them. Uh, is spread by uh, contact by touching your touching the mucous membranes of your face, your eye, the corners of your eyes your nose or your mouth um, and with virus on your hands. So if you're washing your hands constantly uh, or often or use hand sanitizer, um, that kills the virus, that, that, makes, that does make a difference. It makes a big difference. I think if you're really religious about it and just are fanatical about constantly washing your hands and not touching your face unless you just washed your hands, you can just about eliminate probably your risk of getting COVID. Um, so, uh, so my advice would be wash your hands, wash your hands. And then the other thing would be really the only other time you need to worry about it is if you're in the presence of somebody who's symptomatic, 
with COVID. You probably don't even need to worry about it if they're asymptomatic. Try to keep your distance from them. And in that case, wearing a mask would be, uh, would be useful. Um, uh, and the social distance, um, there's not a lot of good data on the, the social distancing, the keeping six feet from each other that we're advised to do. Uh, there's one study out of Thailand that um, uh, followed up people after they had been in the presence of somebody who was known to be infected and how many of them got infected. And then they asked them whether they touched that person, they were actually in physical contact with them, whether they were within three feet or whether they were more than three feet. Uh, being within three feet, there were almost no cases of somebody who didn't get within three feet of the person. So three feet is sufficient. There, that's, you know, it's almost impossible to do a study on this. So that's actually the best data I think we've got on it. But I'm sure three feet, basically the only reason to be, to keep your distance from somebody is droplets. So that droplets coming out of their mouth, not, not tiny viruses, but a, an aeros, a liquid droplet that's going to fall to the earth pretty quickly, fall to the ground pretty quickly. Um, basically say it, don't, you know, you're in conversation with somebody and you accidentally spray it instead of saying it and you're, you're spitting on them. <laughs> you just want to be far enough away that that doesn't happen and three feet is pretty much far enough to do that. Uh, and that's our standard social distance. So I think the reason I'm kind of suspicious, and I do believe, actually, the reason we made it six feet instead of three feet is Americans already stand three feet from each, from each other. We get a little uncomfortable if we're closer than three feet to somebody other than a family member, basically, maybe even a family member. And uh, uh, so, um, so by, by, by making it, if they just said keep three feet from everybody, we, nobody would have known the difference. We're already keeping three feet from everybody. So they had to do something more dramatic. So they say six feet just as a reminder that we're in this crisis and it's the worst year of your lives. And this is the worst disease that's ever hit mankind. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that's the thing. And um, so we know about like the, the number of, of, of deaths that come down, but the, the, I don't they have, have they actually been keeping an accurate record of actual deaths from COVID or is it just um, cause you've heard a lot of tales of people dying from uh, say heart attack and were tested for COVID and had COVID. So the death, i.e., is COVID. Um, oh, yeah. I don't know about the heart. That shouldn't, that should not get classified. If they actually have a heart attack, and then, the, but when we, we learn that they've got, well, we learn after the fact they've got COVID. Now, if they got, if they got, were infected with COVID and they got sick and cold and flu symptoms, and then they had a heart attack while they were feeling lousy. That probably would be classified as a COVID death. Um, I would say that's probably not the correct way to classify that. Um, and it's certainly not the correct way to classify that if we just find out, oh, this person who had a heart attack had COVID, but he, was, he seemed to be perfectly good, healthy, but he was infected. So let's call it a COVID death. That's certainly incorrect. But um, anyway, the, the FDA hospitals, hospitals actually have been paid an extra $2,000, I think it is on average, if a patient is diagnosed with COVID. Uh, Medicare, Medicare pays a higher rate if a patient, for the same service if a patient has COVID than if they don't have COVID. So hospitals have a financial incentive to classify everybody as having COVID. Uh, the death certificate guidance this year actually was changed in response to COVID. And 
physicians writing death certificates were instructed that they should always note on the death certificate whether somebody had COVID or whether they had any symptoms indicating they might have had COVID, even if you don't have a test result saying that. Um, you know, we don't do that for other diseases. You don't have to write on a death certificate that somebody appeared to have the flu uh, if the flu was not the cause of death. So um, it doesn't, the re regulation wasn't that they had to classify every death as caused by COVID, but they have to note on every certificate whether somebody was infected with COVID or whether there was any reason to believe they were infected with COVID. And then your, your healthcare, your employer will get paid an extra $2,000 if you say the death was caused by COVID. Wow. <laughs> uh, um, so uh, there's... Um, it is, um, I think for sure the numbers are inflated. It's hard to say how much they're inflated, but I think, um, we're capturing probably just about every death that could possibly have anything to do with COVID and that's being called the COVID death. Um, the, I, I use an example in my book of my father. My father died from, well, it's actually aspiration pneumonia in his case at age 91. He um, uh, swallowed probably his uh, saliva and uh, he had congestive heart failure and, uh, and he died within, within the day. Um, now, if that had been the, so it was pneumonia, but aspiration pneumonia. If it had been the flu, if it had been pneumonia caused by the flu, um, it would be pretty directly comparable to, to COVID situation. His death certificate says, um, his it mentions the aspiration pneumonia, but it says his ultimate cause of death is congestive heart failure. Now, I think if he'd had the flu, it would be the same way. It would have mentioned that he had the flu or influenza, but the ultimate cause of death would have been listed as congestive heart failure. If he'd had COVID and gotten a little sick with COVID, it would for sure have been listed as the ultimate cause of death was COVID and a contributing factor was congestive heart failure. So it's being treated differently than the flu or other diseases when you're comparing this, which is something to keep in mind when you compare, uh, particularly when you compare the deaths of COVID to the deaths of influenza. Uh, what is your stance on the vaccines? Um, I myself, I, I've, I've been vaccinated. Um, I didn't feel that I needed to be vaccinated. Uh, I'd be, you know, full disclosure. Uh, I thought I was doing necessary things. I was washing my hands. I was taking care of myself, um, exercising, taking vitamins, my supplements. Um, but it just seems, um, I guess the, you know, the word of the day is vaccination. Um, you think they are actually yeah, necessary? Yeah. Um, my advice is, if you're over age 40, you're at a one in a thousand or a greater chance of dying from COVID if you get, if you're infected. If you're over age 85, you're at about a 13% chance of dying from COVID if you get infected. So one in a thousand, it's not a huge risk, but it's a real risk. So you want to eliminate that, I think. So my advice would be over age 40, for sure, you should take the vaccine. Unless you know you were infected. I, I think if you know you were infected, that's a better way to get immunity, you're, you're fully immune from having been infected. And uh, the vaccine adds nothing and you're likely to have a strong reaction against it because you've already got immunity against what you're being vaccinated with. So I wouldn't 
for anybody, I wouldn't take the vaccine if you know you're infected, but you really have to know you're infected. You can't just say, well, I did have the sniffles a few months ago. Maybe that was COVID. Yeah, you really have to know it was COVID. Um, over age 40, uh, yes, I would get the vaccine. Um, age 20 to 40, I think it's kind of a personal decision. Uh, you're at about the same risk as the flu. Most people in that age group probably do not get the flu vaccine, and we don't pester them and say, oh, you're an idiot. You didn't get the flu vaccine. <laughs> uh, um, so it's about the same equation as the flu vaccine, I would say. Uh, and there are the vaccines seem to be pretty safe. Um, uh, so I'd get it in that age group too, but I think it's a personal decision. I think at any age, it's a personal decision. Nobody should be mandated to get it. You shouldn't, you should be able to get, nobody should, no businesses should be allowed to fire employees. If they don't get the vaccine, you should be able to get on a plane. If you didn't get the vaccine, it's your business. Um, children, children should not, I don't think children should get the vaccine. They're virtually no risk of death from COVID. They are at some risk of side effects from the vaccine, including um, myocarditis seems to be happening in um, several dozen kids probably uh, who have gotten the vaccine, which is inflammation of the heart. So you don't want to mess with inflaming a child's heart. They're probably not going to die from it, but it may be a lifelong harm to their heart. Um, so I, uh, I would not, uh, um, I would not vaccinate my child. I don't think children should be getting the vaccine. And I strongly feel actually that politicians and health officials like Anthony Fauci should not be urging parents to get their children. I think it's irresponsible medical advice to, and, and the equation, the, the motivation seems to be we need to vaccinate children so we can get to herd immunity to protect us adults. How about we treat children with the interests of the children in mind, instead of asking, what can I, what can I, we force our children to do for my benefit today? Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, so uh, we should just be, we should ask, we should not be asking what's in it for adults. We should, it's, it's a cost benefit calculation for the children period in my mind. So, um, one more thing, like another thing that I also wonder, like, uh, have you heard of, um, Ivermectin? Uh, this seems to be something. Yeah. I, you might now. not want to mention that. I'm told that you'll get censored and pulled off YouTube or something. If we say that word, supposedly some people, uh, actually, in fact, uh, there was a congressional hearing. I don't know much about Ivermectin, but I know there's the, the censorship kind of, apparently it's a drug that. I guess prevents COVID rather than to treat people who are already infected. I guess it prevents you from having bad disease if you later get infected. I'm, I believe that's the story. I'm not certain. Um, uh, but there was a congressional hearing on ivermectin where they had some physicians talking about it, I guess. And that was videotaped, like as all congressional hearings are, by C-SPAN and, and was shown by, on C-SPAN. And C-SPAN posted that video on YouTube. And YouTube pulled the video. YouTube censored a congressional hearing and wouldn't allow Americans to learn about a congressional hearing. Now, that 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 is, I can't believe that would actually happen when I mean, you want people to get as much information as possible. Yes, yes. Themselves. This um, 
YouTube, uh, there's just been really censorship throughout this on anti-lockdown voices and on um, really anybody who questions in any way the official story that, the, that um, uh, boy, I sh I, it's going to drive me nuts that I can't remember the drug that Trump loved. But anyway, that, that drug or ivermectin, um, if you post any, if you try to run an ad, a, a Google ad or a Facebook ad that says that, says those drugs work, that's going to get pulled. My book, we, we're just, we're just citing referee journal articles and official government statistics on depression and suicides, basically, and COVID deaths prevented by the lockdowns as near as I can calculate them and official statistics about COVID. Um, our advertisements have been uniformly banned. Google, Facebook will not run ads for my nonprofit. Um, we tried to place an ad in the Minneapolis Star Tribune, the major newspaper here. They would not allow the ad. We tried to place the ad on liberal, both liberal and conservative political websites. They would not allow any advertising of that. Um, and Amazon now will not allow advertising of my book. Um, they, they allow it to be sold, but they won't allow us to advertise it. Uh, so, and then, yes, yeah, I said the ivermectin thing. So there's total censorship. You're just not allowed. If you want to oppose the lockdowns, you can tell your friend in the street, you cannot say that on TV or radio or YouTube or Facebook. <laughs> yeah, that was, um, hydroxychloroquine. Um, hydroxychloroquine. There you go. Thank you. Yeah, that, that was the, uh, the one that was, uh touted um and came out earlier and and i think that see that is the the one thing um that i think trump um really did a dis he did a disservice but also the media that railed so hard against him like even if the mouthpiece that you're getting information from is not your preferred place but if there is any truth to it you can't just throw you know the baby out with the bathwater um and it seems like now like they just everyone rails so hard because i think they have they're suffering from trump ptsd um they're so yeah. quick to just anything that may sound a little to the right or even if it's coming from the right it's completely wrong um yeah yeah it's um I don't know. Anyway, I just I just support free speech. I don't I don't think we should be censoring anybody. Absolutely. It seemed that Google and Facebook, or Facebook, I guess, and kind of the online world world was blamed for Trump's election with the Russian interfering in an election four years ago, six years, whatever it is, five years ago now, the first time, and um, uh, so it seemed that. So liberals, Democrats, I'm, I'm, I'm one myself, uh, uh, freaked out about that and blamed Facebook for that, which I guess they, I don't know whether Facebook and Google did anything wrong or not, but I mean, I guess Trump, Trump strategists apparently were smart about how to use that and were able to target their voters and get them out and get them information that was misleading, probably in nearly all cases, but information, whatever, lies, whatever. <laughs> uh, um, and uh, then we turn, you know, so they were supposedly pro-Trump five years ago, and then now conservatives think they're anti-Trump, and I guess they, they seem to be. But anyway, I, um, I mean, I'm personally, I'm appalled that 
Twitter and Facebook banned Trump from their platforms. I, you know, I wouldn't be visiting his site, but I don't, I don't think those executives should be make, should be deciding what I'm entitled to hear or not. Exactly. I am completely for free speech. Um, I may not want to hear what you have to say, but you have the right to say it. Yeah. Um, and it also, as long as it's, you know, as long as you're not inciting violence, you know, or whatever. Absolutely. Because those voices also, they need to be heard. So if you don't agree with it, I don't have to listen. Allow me to be the, no, the voice of reason to choose for myself. Um, because yeah, yeah. now with all the censorship, you make the narrative. So whatever it is that you want people to hear, it's got to go through you first. And I think, uh, everyone's fine with it when everything is, Oh, um, liberal, you know, democratic leaning left leaning. But what if some of those voices on the left, they don't want you to hear that message and they start censoring that because I hate to tell people that will happen eventually. Um, so just, Oh yeah, that's, it's, it's happening now. Yeah. I mean, you're like I said, you're not allowed to oppose the lockdowns in any way, uh, that, that gets censored. Um, and, uh, it'll be interesting whether, I'm not even certain in the next election whether we, when we have politician, political candidates saying they oppose the lockdowns and saying that the lockdowns have caused these harms, whether they're even going to be allowed to say that as a political candidate, uh, or if that's going to, their ads or stuff are going to be blocked and banned from TV and Facebook and Google. Uh, even though it's true, I think it's true, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, certainly arguably true. Uh, but, um, yeah, I don't, anyway, I'm getting, I'm getting irritated at the media. The media has got these fact checkers all the time and, uh, it gets irritating to me. A lot of the things that they call lies that are not actually, you know, you may, it's, they're not lies at all. In most cases, they're just supposedly didn't have the full context. Right. Like you could say, I don't know if I if I said 63 million Americans were thrown into depression by co by by the lockdowns, which is true. 19.3 percent. It's 63 million Americans. That's absolutely a true fact. If I put that out, I bet the media fact checkers would label that, you know, two Pinocchios or whatever, and say yes, but the lockdowns. They they, they wouldn't even say it's wrong. They just say yes, but the lockdowns saved who knows how many millions of COVID prevented. COVID deaths, right. which, you know, that's not true either. But anyway, be that as it may, that doesn't affect how many people they threw into depression. Um, so anyway, I, I'm, I don't feel like we need a lot of referees. People can discern for themselves what's true and what's false. Just let the other side say their story and people can try to figure it out. I don't think we need referees telling, telling us who's allowed to speak and what's true and what's false. Absolutely. Uh, one of the things that's, uh, on the horizon now that it's, it's it's troubling for me is now that we have the new uh, Delta uh, variant and people are surmising that there may be like a new lockdown coming up. And I know for you that yeah. must be like really like infuriating to even hear like we're going back into a lockdown. Like just as we're starting to have some sense of normalcy, things are opening up and people are starting to live their lives as they should be. Yeah. Now there's these whispers yep. of another lockdown. I I just can't. Uh, yeah, I sure hope not. I 
that will it would infuriate me, and I will speak out against it. But uh, no, there's no data. The, the vaccines work against the reason we have no cases anymore. Well, part of the reason is it's the summer. This is a seasonal virus. The, the officials have never even acknowledged that, that it's seasonal, that, that cases do got, go down in the summer and up in the fall and winter, just like uh, cold and flu. But that's obviously what happened. So you knew it was going to kind of decline in the summer. It's declined to zero because the deaths have declined to just about zero because, um, uh, because of the vaccines. Um, but the powers that be seem to not, they, they seem to view that as bad news. Like, oh, God, now we don't have an excuse for the lockdowns anymore. we got to find an excuse for the lockdowns. So, so it's the variants now is the excuse. The vaccines work against the variants just as well or nearly as well as against the other strain, the, the strains we've had before. Uh, we've always had variants anyway. There wasn't just one strain. It's, it's always been, been variants. Uh, like, as with any natural virus, it evolves constantly. So you get new, new variants all the time. Viruses do not evolve to get more deadly. That's not the way they work. They have no, and the variants, the Delta variant and these other variants, they're not more deadly. They're probably less deadly. At worst, they're equally deadly as the previous strains. Um, the virus, from an evolutionary standpoint, it wants to become more contagious. But it doesn't really care whether it kills us or not. In fact, it kind of rather not kill us because then we wouldn't freak out about it so much and it could spread to the next person. Um, so uh, so it'd be a shock to me as a biologist if it evolved to become more deadly. That's not the way evolution works. That's not the way, way you would expect a virus to behave. Now, one, more, like, one of the things I definitely want to uh, touch on before I, uh, you get out of here. Um, so um, the Wuhan uh, labs, was this manipulated? Was this a leak? Like in your opinion, what do you? I think? haven't looked. I haven't looked closely at it. Um, from what I understand, what I've heard from the voices I respect, I guess it probably was. It probably was engineered, and it probably did escape from that. I, I, I but I haven't looked totally into it. But I think it probably was engineered, and probably did escape from that lab or it probably escaped from that lab. It's less certain that it was engineered. It could have been a natural virus that they'd isolated and were culturing in that lab and then it escaped. But I think likely there were some experiments on um, to see what would happen when they changed different genes and uh, uh, possibly intending to make it more deadly. And, um, and that escaped. Yeah, that's uh, one of the things. It, and it seems like, Early on, it was like completely preposterous to even assume that it could have been a lab yep. leak, and like now it's like you know it's the toss of the town, you know. Everybody yeah, saying, yeah. Oh, no, no, but it no. should have been. I mean, I wasn't focused on this, but the well, I've say, I say in the book, you know, the, I, I have a chapter on conspiracy theories in my book, and one of the conspiracy theories I mentioned is that this is an engineered virus that was engineered to be. Um, uh, engineered to be more deadly uh, and to, to kill us all. And I, and I say, if this was engineered to be a deadly virus, it's like the worst, worst bioweapon ever. It's barely more deadly than the flu. Uh, but <laughs> if it was engineered as a test run to see if we could get societies to, to commit ritual suicide over a fairly trivial risk, bingo, huge success. 
<laughs> but um, but it seems that it probably, like I say, I think that's a pretty good chance it actually was engineered. It was a coincidence. It probably should have been a red flag that this came from Wuhan and that there's a virus lab in Wuhan. That probably should have been a clue from the beginning. We, that was brushed off as just a coincidence, but I think it probably was not a coincidence. Yeah, and um, for whatever reason, um, they wanted to attach the people of China to it rather than a building in China. Um, that was the oh, really, I, I couldn't understand why that was like the thing. Like, it's there in China. Why couldn't we speak about this lab? Like, could it happen? Yeah, chances are it could have happened. I mean, they have leaks. Like, they are not all the time, but there have been leaks of certain types of things before. Why wouldn't it be hard to surmise that this was possibly a leak? Yeah, yeah. Although we, I guess most strains of the flu also seem to originate in China or Southeast Asia. So naturally, for whatever reason, I guess they, as I recall, they spread to ducks and stuff there. And then they tend to spread around the world from there uh, every year. So you could kind of figure, well, it's sort of the same thing. It, it um, evolved that way in nature. Um, but yeah, and I don't, it, it's fun. Another funny thing to me on the partisanship is Trump calls this the China virus, which, and people on the left got really upset and said that's terrible and it's racist or something that he's calling it the China virus. And it's, well, it did originate in China. I, I, I I don't know why. For some reason, that became a code word that the conservatives loved calling it the China virus and liberals hated having it called the China virus. Uh, it yeah. doesn't make any difference to me one way or the other. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but uh, nobody's saying anything um, about the, uh, what they call it, the India uh, variant. Like, they've, uh, like, that's been said because, like, this. Oh, that's uh, true. That, that's been said in that South Africa. We had the South Africa variant. Yeah. And, yeah. and the Spanish, the 1918 flu was known as the Spanish flu. It's kind of traditional that they name viruses after the country where they started from, actually. Yeah. It's not, it, we're talking about the virus. We're not talking about the people of that country. Yeah. Or it is yeah. a virus. We're just having a place of where it originated from. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's been it's really been a whirlwind of a couple of years here. Um, yeah. Well, uh, the world over, basically. I mean, that's, that's yeah, yeah. The United U.S. is not not unique. The world over. In fact, ours restrictions were probably a little milder than most places in the world. So, if there was like one message you wanted to get out to the public, what would that message be? That message would be that the suicide, the the. The lockdowns have no advantage. They, they, the amount of depression they caused is at least 30 times. If you consider time spent depressed to be lost time of life, is at least 30 times the loss of the time of life saved in prevented COVID deaths. The suicides and drug overdose deaths are also absolutely for certain that time of life is more than the time of life saved from COVID. So saved by the lockdowns, I mean. So the lockdowns have no advantages whatsoever. If you think life is better than death, longer life is better than shorter life, happiness is better than depression, education is better than ignorance, uh, employment is better than unemployment, more money is better than less money, and more personal liberties is better than less personal liberty, <clears throat> then you agree that the lockdowns were a mistake. 
There, there's no argument at all for the lockdowns. And the number, my number one point is this massive, massive increase in depression that vastly exceeds any possible benefit from the lockdowns if you think happiness and quality of life counts for anything. Now, if, there's, uh, if anybody wants to get like in contact with uh, the organization that you're running, uh, get more information about uh, your fight and what you're bringing up, how can they get in contact with you? We've got a website, covid-sanity.org. And um, so go there and, and sign up for our newsletter, subscribe, sign the petition against the lockdowns. That, that's, the, that's what I'd ask people to do. Outstanding. Well, thank you, Hugh. I've, this, this has really been a great conversation that I've had today. And again, thank you so much for your time. I'm sure my listeners will appreciate the information that you've given today uh, and the conversation. Um, thank you again so much. Thank you. Shame and I had a good time. Absolutely. All right, so with that, people, uh, this is Shaman signing off for No Room to Talk podcast. I've been here with Hugh McTavish, Ph.D., uh, author of the book COVID, Lockdown Insanity. You can get that on Amazon, just like I did on my Kindle. Uh, you can do the same. Uh, I've only been in the first chapter, but it's a good read so far, and I can't wait to finish it. Again, oh, good. Thank you. Not a problem. Hugh, thank you again so much. Thank you, Shaman.